0: And thank you for tuning in for the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. My name is Maria Wells, and I'm your host. Today, with us, we have Miles Farmer. Miles is an incredible serial entrepreneur, and over the last 13 years, he has built four successful businesses in the hospitality space. Miles began his career as a Tim Hortons franchisee and opened seven locations downtown Toronto. He then moved into opening private label restaurants, winning multiple awards in the process. He is a partner and founder of Valdez, Barrow, Dasha, and Petty Cash. Miles also launched Blue Door Communications with a strategic founder in 2017. It's a hospitality-focused PR and digital agency. Blue Door was named Notable's 2018 Agency of the Year and was also nominated for PR Professional of the Year. He then left the restaurant's day-to-day to develop a wellness brand. Creating a new social experience around hot and cold therapy. He's built a minimal viable product here in Toronto called Inward in an 800 square foot studio with over a thousand early customers. The mission is to build a social experience that is fun, healthy, and inspiring. And with that, please welcome Miles. Hi, Miles.
1: Hey, thanks for that intro.
0: Ah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being with us today and escaping the heat wave and sticking inside. How are you?
1: I'm great. Yeah, i finally good to connect. I know I've been trying to do this for a few months now, but I'm ready. So love I, to get into it.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, for all the listeners out there who might not be familiar with you, do you mind telling us more about your story and how did you get started 13 years ago in the industry? Or maybe before that, with
1: Tim Hortons. So I went to school at Western. When I graduated, I came to Toronto with my brother and father at the time. And we were looking to start a business together. We had an option to apply as a Tim Hortons franchisee. And we took that option. So together, we opened our first store. I think it was 22 at the time. And we started growing, uh, I think it was two stores. Around uh, three years into the business, my father actually uh, had a severe stroke and he had to be forced to retire. So it was just my brother and I at that point, you know, being 23, 24 at the time, having to kind of take the reins of the family. It kind of made you, in a way, really grow up. So my brother and I really started getting really serious with business. We grew that franchise from two locations to seven. We also started to get into kind of other areas of hospitality. During my time at school, I met a gentleman named Matty Samaras. He's deeply involved in the hospitality space here in Toronto and ended up buying a small piece of one of his nightclubs. And that nightclub actually ran its course. And then they were looking to kind of convert that nightclub into a restaurant. And my brother and I wanted to get more involved in that side of things. So we started opening our first private restaurant, which was called Valdez. So Valdez was actually on the corner of King and Portland, became a huge success. We ended up doing a deal with the landlord where they wanted to buy out our lease. And we negotiated two new spots, which is now Borrow and Dasha. And throughout that time, we also launched a PR and digital media focused company with um, actually a family friend and someone we started working initially with uh, named Laura Fricassi. So we are hospitality-focused. It's a communication company, which does media, PR, uh, digital marketing, uh, crisis communication, and a number of other things.
0: Amazing. How old were you when you bought that piece of a nightclub?
1: I think I was 26, 25.
0: Do you feel like you were well-prepared for the purchase?
1: You know, looking back, I think that industry for me was interesting, but I definitely gravitated more towards the restaurant side and really enjoyed of building those brands especially borrow petty cash and you know the other blue door communications of course
0: i love it and then in terms of the media agency or pr agency i assume it services multiple clients or just your brands
1: no we have 50 plus clients here in toronto obviously uh we are hospitality focused so we kind of been you know, taking back off our initial brands and then we use the success of that to kind of drive business and show kind of uh, that we are able to produce results and create success.
0: Amazing. And so how did you jump from the hospitality industry and restaurants to your current venture inward?
1: Yeah, so about three years ago, uh, we built Borrow and things were going great. I went through some personal development where I kind of realized I wanted to make a change in regards to my lifestyle and you know where I was going with my business. And I found that the restaurant business is very challenging in a number of ways challenging to scale you're dealing with uh, a lot of people and a lot of moving parts and so for example borrow it's, it's not so, it's something a business that you could scale to 20 locations very fast so and I also wanted to try my hand in other things I find that my whole career was always in restaurants and always in, in a specific hospitality so I kind of began a venture in regards to I left uh, the current partnership and I started exploring different industries. I did research sprints through cannabis, uh, psychedelics, prop tech, and then ultimately health and wellness. At the time, I was actually going to these bathhouses. There's a bathhouse here in Toronto that's pretty famous called Southwest Bathhouse, which uh, a friend of mine put me on. And I was going to this thing every week, and you know, I was having an incredible time. I was feeling incre- like amazing walking out of there. I didn't really understand you know, what was happening inside me, but I understood like I felt great, I was connecting with people and I was really relaxed and I would actually use it as an alternative to going out. So about a year ago I started, you know, researching this topic and started getting into like, hey, is there any way we can take this, you know, hot and cold therapy and create this new social experience where it's kind of more geared towards people to getting them into the present moment, getting them off their phones, getting them more relaxed. So started doing this research. I actually ended up calling a good friend of mine named Robert Bent. He was a tech entrepreneur from San Francisco and he joined me on the research sprint. So we started looking at this pretty deeply. We realized that there was all this research around hot and cold therapy, how it's conductive to bring you in the present moment. It has these chemical and physical changes in your body that make you feel amazing, that make you live longer, that detoxify your body. There's just so many benefits that just go back for so long. And so what we wanted to create was a new social experience around the hot and cold therapy and give people an alternative to say, going out to bars and restaurants and, but also having this connection and then getting off your phone. So for the last year, like basically from January until March of this year, uh, we were developing this concept. We were actually closing in on a 14,000 square foot facility here in toronto and uh we're about to sign a lease and start the build out it was going to be somewhat of a nordique style urban concept, you know hot and cold therapy soul cycle performance mixed with a lot of education around the hot and cold therapy and why and there would be massage and food kind of like you know a healthy way to socializing and within the city limits and then COVID hit, so it put that on the back burner And it kind of made us rethink the concept and rethink a lot of things.
0: I love the story. Now, I'm from Russia. And uh, obviously, there, there's this concept of banya, uh, where you kind of similarly go hot and cold, different saunas, and obviously jump. Usually, it's uh, in the icy river. And then they also whip you with uh, oak leaves. Is it something similar that you've been to, or it's different?
1: Yeah. So the Southwest is actually a Russian Banya uh, based out of Mississauga.
0: So yeah, I definitely know the benefits and I think that's such a great concept, especially around community because in Russia, that's exactly how people use the experience. It's tea room and uh, food and then also the Banya itself. So you don't bring your phone. You just do that for a few hours. So I love the concept. Now, with the COVID pandemic and people being cautious, obviously, spending time in close proximity, uh, when do you think it will be working?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it really made us rethink everything with that concept. Uh, it pushed us to actually cancel it, to be honest. We were literally March 15th about to sign a lease, personally guarantee it for, you know, 15 years, and put out basically a lot on the line. And with COVID, you know, this concept to work has to put 300 people through on the weekends. And I think in this new environment, it's just, it's impossible to kind of guarantee that. And we actually don't know, you know, the future is so, I guess, so foggy right now with what the new norm will be. So we made us rethink a lot. And what I didn't mention is uh, during this last year, we actually built this kind of test center, this MVP studio where we wanted to kind of test the Toronto market test to see if people were into this hot and cold therapy in the downtown market, Uh, millennials and younger people that want to come to these hot and cold therapies and actually socialize. So we built a 700 square foot studio, put one ice bath, we put a sauna and we drove a thousand people through, and we had just incredible results. So we looked at that concept and we're like, well, you know, maybe we can't build a 14,000 square foot facility, but maybe we're going to look at taking uh, the smaller concept and doing something similar, maybe a little bigger. Maybe it's just three ice baths and a performance sauna. And we do just focus all our energy on programming and do some incredible things with that and socializing and build these smaller centers essentially around the city quicker rather than having these larger, massive facilities that require just three, 400 people that are well, will they come or will they not come is still unknown with uh, the current environment.
0: Totally makes sense. Are you able to operate the smaller facilities now with the current regulations or not quite?
1: Not right now. We actually, even in stage three, which was announced today, they've restricted sauna use. So we're actually putting together a lobbying effort where we're in contact with Scandinavian Spa and Nordique and a few other the kind of big players. And so we're looking to kind of present a safe way to operate saunas. I was just actually in Vancouver last week and I was at the Scandinavian Spa. They're open. So the entire country is open for saunas except for Ontario. So it's a challenge that we're kind of working through right now. But I think with the right education and the right proposal, I think there will be uh, they'll relax that eventually.
0: I hope it's going to go through because we went to your experience, I think, probably now six, seven months ago, actually maybe more. And we really loved it, especially how you guide through the meditation once you're in the ice cold water. I thought that was really cool because um, I didn't know that I could lay in the ice cold bath for three minutes, but somehow just managed to do it. I felt like dying after a little bit, but it was really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, and that's the whole point of kind of the programming around the hot and cold is educating people why the hot for how long and why the cold for how long. You know, what's happening in your body physically, what's happening in your body mentally. Like, a big challenge for people getting an ice bath, and you can probably attest to this, is that like, you're scared, right? You're you're like, I I can't do it. It's too cold. What we're asking you to do is, you know, essentially take this feeling and, and observe it, not have a reaction, create what's called a wedge. So, there's a feeling I'm fearful. You know, can you observe that and not have an instant reaction? You can actually take this practice and use it in other parts of your life. So, anger, frustration, jealousy, these things all come up in our lives, and we usually just instantly have a reaction. But meditation and all these other practices teach us is, you know, create this wedge, observe it, it will eventually go away and not have this instant reaction. And, you know, you're going to go in an ice bath, it's going to be uncomfortable, but you're not going to die and you're going to feel absolutely incredible. And then all these health benefits are happening to you and you know we have people walking out of our facility just feeling absolutely incredible so it's like you come in you're stressed whatever it is these therapies are flushing you out essentially it's like expanding your circulatory system shutting it and then they have all these physical and then mental benefits and then there's this huge social piece of just being there with other people being really present being really centered and a lot of it is too is not having your phone those are kind of the, the elements that make it really special.
0: I totally agree with you. And then in terms of, you know, testing your own limits, like I didn't know that I could manage it for three minutes. But actually, since then, I've been uh, starting to take cold showers in the mornings and nothing too crazy, probably like 10, 15 seconds. But it still really showed you that, you know, you could do that. And there's a lot of other things if you could handle that. There's a lot of other things you can push yourself into. Um, I think there is um, strategy, maybe Navy SEALs. I read it in one of the books that they're being trained in the military that when your brain feels like you're about to give up, you actually have about 40% capacity to still ready to go. And it's just your natural uh, behavior and your brain's protective mechanism to preserve energy. So actually, you could do a lot more with your time, with your energy. And I think your concept really teaches that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean the ice baths only really get dangerous around fifteen plus minutes. And even then, if depending on how your training is, you can extend it longer. Uh, what's the longest
0: to- you've been in the Ice Bath?
1: I've personally been in it for nine minutes. Like I wouldn't recommend that actually to be honest. Three to four minutes is kind of the sweet spot. When you get to like nine, ten minutes, if you're not building up to that, uh, it's actually a very uncomfortable experience. It's not something that you need to do after thirty seconds, almost all the benefits that we prepping in on our course uh when you're getting in there are happening in your body. So you don't actually need to push it past two to three minutes. That's it's all you need.
0: I love it. So I guess for people who can't get the experience from Inward right now, what would you recommend for them to do at home? I mean, with COVID and being stuck at home most of your time, not really have any places to go. How do you train that physical body and your mental capacity?
1: So I think you hit it when you said cold showers. For me personally, Every morning, you do a cold shower, trying to get into a sauna. If you have friends that have saunas, there's just profound health benefits to, to using so like, hot therapy weekly, uh, even daily, like three to four times a week is incredible for you in uh, a number of fronts. So, ice fast and whatever there is, the heat source in regards to if your friend has a cottage and a sauna, but I'm pretty confident we will get open and do order so they can come by inward and check it out.
0: I love it. Okay, well, I'm excited for that to open up. Now, let's take a pivot back into the restaurant industry because obviously the pandemic hit that part of the economy very hard. Can you speak more about the experience that you've had so far?
1: It's been probably the most challenging portion of my career is kind of dealing with essentially shutting down all our companies within fifteen days laying off hundreds of people and, and kind of dealing with uh, suppliers, landlords, uh, you name it, um, and then kind of navigating through this. So essentially, we shut down everything. I know my Tim Hortons stores are all downtown. They're all located in malls. So all my companies went to zero. It was tough. I mean, and you kind of realize that the way out of these situations is actually creativity. And March 15th, if you would ask me, or March 21st, whenever we did official shutdown, what are we going to do? You know, it wasn't really clear if there wasn't these government programs and all these things. But what was interesting to see is that, like, you know, everyone kind of came to the table. So the landlords came to the table. The government came to the table. Head office, Tim Hortons, came in, really supported their franchisees. They created rent relief programs. Uh, You have rent relief programs from the government. And then you also have specific ones from individual landlords. So you've been lucky in regards to having a partner like... Tim Horns head office, and then our landlords on King Street, Allied REIT, have been good to us in regards to, you know, they're coming to the table, they want us to succeed. And we're kind of in this together, because, you know, the fundamentals of restaurants can't operate at 50%, they can't operate at zero. So it's, even as we're going to stage three, you know, we still need to work towards getting back to where we were, which, in my mind, I think it's going to take, obviously, a vaccine, but it's going to be a year, uh, at least until we get back to where we were in essentially January.
0: Crazy. And then, I mean, now that things are slowly opening up, do you see, I guess, the light at the end of the tunnel?
1: Yeah. I mean, so we launched the patios and luckily in stage two and uh, all the venues actually have patios and we've seen actually a lot of demand. It seems like our customer base is a younger customer base. They're willing to go out um, you know we 're doing it in a safe manner, so it 's you know whatever the capacity we 're able to provide is is being filled so that 's kind of like what 's really encouraging because I was scared of, i, I didn 't know if people were going to come back i didn 't know if people were going to come back to restaurants we didn't know a lot about this virus back in March, and I think as we go through this and we understand more and more how it works and more and more how it 's transmitted and how deadly it is, I think people are kind of making choices for themselves and, and their own personal situations and yeah, I really hope. Uh, we get this vaccine soon. We go back to normal, but you know we're going to operate obviously within the guidelines and and do what we can do.
0: Do you think a lot more people after this pandemic would prefer takeout delivery and the virtual events, or do you think people will go back to normal because that's just our nature?
1: I think if you asked somebody in April, they would have changed their answer from then to now. I think people being locked up really realized like how much socializing does for you like mentally. And, uh, you know, by nature, like we're creatures of community we like to be around people and like, you know, having everyone locked up in their apartments and then allowed to leave. I think it created a lot of stress and as things opened up and became more like back to normal ish, you know, this new normal that we're living in, I think it's what people crave. I think people will go out. I think people want to go out. I think they just want to do it in a safe manner. They want to know that they're protected. And then ultimately everyone just needs to take their own risks on a personal matter. Like if if I have elderly parents that are really susceptible to this virus, like maybe I won't go to whatever a new concert looks like come spring next year or whatever it is, but I'm maybe going to go have dinner with my girlfriend on a Tuesday night and not talk to anyone else. So I think it's dependent on the person in the situation, but I think there's some people that are scared. I think there's some people that aren't scared that are willing to just kind of take those risks. And it's all dependent.
0: Totally makes sense. I guess time will tell. In terms of being an entrepreneur in such a crazy environment and experiencing that much stress, could you describe us what you did, how you dealt with the stress personally, tips or tricks, if you have any to share?
1: Yeah. So one thing, you know, we have a, a WhatsApp group for Inward, And it's kind of like our core initial customers. And what we were asking them is like, hey, guys, like we obviously can't open like, what can we do here? And they're like, well, is there any way we can somehow connect? And then we're thinking about that. And we're like, well, some of my partners and I are really into breath work. It's basically a uh, focused breathing that it just basically brings you into this present moment, uh, relaxes you. It takes your thoughts away. Well, I was doing breath work on my own and we kind of created this weekly breath work platform. So we started bringing on instructors and just offering for free. So and what breathwork does is it increases the CO2 in the body and the brain. It basically shuts down part of the brain that's responsible for thought, allowing you kind of to move beyond like difficult emotions. So a lot of people were feeling stressed. They would do this breathwork and it really created this sense of community because you're seeing all these people you used to go to the spa with. And then you're also doing this really incredible emotional release because everyone was kind of going through a lot. Like So that was a practice that was super important to me. Meditation. And honestly, the hot and cold therapies is something that really got me through it. I have the tools in front of me. I just needed to use them. And, and so I believe in what we're building is, is literally to deal with these kinds of uh, situations.
0: Could you walk us through like a breathing exercise that you use most commonly or that's fairly really easy to implement in a daily routine?
1: It's a process. So I can't really walk you through it over a podcast. But I think how you breathe is kind of how you feel. So if you have really short breaths and you're panicking and you're in a situation where you just don't feel like you can deal with something, you know, just close your eyes and really just take in a deep inhale, like count to six, hold for five and then count for six out and just really slow down your breath, slow down your thoughts. It's the simplest way to calm your mind and you always have that tool available to you no matter where you are. You can always come back to your breath in your own moment and you don't need anything but time. And I think that Tool there has been super helpful for me, especially in like super stressful situations and you know uncomfortable situations that you know you just can't really escape physically, but you can take your mind wherever you want. So that's kind of one for your listeners. If you're ever in that situation, just close your eyes and just take a deep, long breath. Because the longer and deeper breaths you have, that's usually how you feel inside.
0: I love it. So basically, you you did walk us through it as you were talking. I was taking my breath holding it and then scaling it. And now I just feel better. In terms of not lessons learned, or maybe it's better to say the recommendation for entrepreneurs who wanted to get into the restaurant business or maybe franchise business, which one do you think is better or maybe not better? What are the differences? Which one is easier? And which one would you recommend them to get into? Or maybe none?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what you want. Tim Horns was amazing for me in regards to giving the fundamentals of business. It taught me how to manage people, how to manage money, how to, you know, hire and kind of operate the business. They also train you, they gave you the guidelines. So it was great to have those fundamentals kind of trained on you. Uh, where there's restrictions is that you don't really have control of the brand. You don't create these brands or sales, or you don't have too much control of, yes, guess, your destiny in, in a lot of ways. Whereas when you want to create your own brand, your own business, you have complete control. But when you have complete control, there's you know you're responsible for everything. You're responsible for the brand, you know, locations, uh build-outs, like everything. and start to finish, and there's no one to call, right? Whereas the franchise, your franchisee, there's a they've done this for 50 years, they have all the answers, there's teams available. So it all depends what you want, you know, and the risks you're gonna take, building your own restaurant over. Tim Hortons franchises are fundamentally different risks. I think Tim Hortons is a pretty low risk investment, whereas a a new restaurant is completely high risk. So depending on what you want in your life, I think you got to kind of weigh out those options in a good way. It's just kind of write it out on a piece of paper, you know, the pros and cons of whatever options are in front of you in your own life, in your own situation.
0: I see the way franchises work is I truly believe that nobody can succeed on their own. and The franchise provides you a great safety net because, as you said, there's always someone to call. With restaurants, if you start your own brand, it's much more difficult to build that yourself. Do you think it's possible for a person to launch a brand and restaurant single-handedly by themselves? Or do you think you always need to find a partner or a co-founder in a sense?
1: It's just been proven when you have co-founders and partners just in studying like Y7 and these tech companies that more succeed when you have someone to lean on because there's going to be moments where you just won't want to give up or it's just too hard. There's just too many things going on. You can't deal with all these things all at once and then live your life and depending on your situation. So I think you can. I think there's entrepreneurs that have built massive brands by themselves in regards to partners and some that, you know, need a lot of partnership groups. But I also personally just believe there's people along your life that just help you out no matter what the situation is. I don't think that like anyone's ever done anything completely by themselves, whether it's their parents, their brother, or people in their life, they're just there around you They're kind of like the unknown supporters. So when you see someone like an entrepreneur, that's super successful and he owns hundred percent of the business, there's been people throughout that guy's life that have helped him, that you just don't see. It is possible. Again, it's all dependent on your situation, how hard you're willing to work, what your skill set is. Another thing is, like, you really got to surround yourself with people that aren't similar to you so that you really have a wider net and you catch problems because we all have blind spots. We all are not very good at certain things and very bad at certain things. And I think surrounding yourself with people that really compliment you is super important. And you can either hire those people or bring them on as partners. So, just depending on what you want to do.
0: I love it. Hire for your weaknesses and amplify your strength. That's, that's kind of the motto over there. Now, for 2020 and beyond, what do you see as opportunities that either your industry offers or I guess in general where the world is going?
1: I think the easy answer is everything is going online. And I just give you an example, the breathwork stuff that we have been testing is we're actually developing a product around it. We started hosting these breathworks where we didn't even think about this business before. And it started to be like, you know, 5, 10 people a week. And then it actually got up to 150 people joining these Zoom calls. And we we're getting these really personalized messages like, Hey, like, I really need this. This has changed my life. This is like getting me through this time. So we're thinking about actually creating an online product. We're going to probably have a subscription site where we have created products. And we're going to do, you know, kind of like a headspace version of Breathwork and launch it and just do an MVP and see if that works. So stuff like that. And thinking about living in this COVID world, like physical spaces aren't going to go anywhere and all this stuff will come back eventually, but it could take years. And that's the challenge with, say, a restaurant. Like I don't get super excited personally to think about opening another restaurant right now because we just don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, I think it's going to be fine. I think all this stuff's going to come back, but how long will that take? When will there be a vaccine? What does that look like? The fundamentals just don't work in COVID. So you need to really look at what your business is. And for us personally, it's like, I want to have more online products and products that aren't so brick and mortar focused, I guess, in my portfolio. And that's where the big lesson for me has been throughout this time is, you know, I'm pretty diversified in retail, but I'm not diversified if I'm all in retail. So that's been a lesson for me and it's kind of changed my thought pattern of how I want to move forward with my path, I feel.
0: I love it. And then obviously, there's a lot of apps. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of websites, a lot of products that have been coming out, Mindspace, Calm, a lot of other tools and resources for people to either use for free, obviously, with subscription model. Do you think right now, as you're going through this process, there is a certain better way to do things? Or how do you stand out in such a crowded space? Because I feel like now we're in this, you know, trend area where everybody's going online, everybody's trying to offer mental health resources. So how do you stand out in this industry, so to speak?
1: In every industry there's this best in class. So, you know, really diving in to the research, understanding, you know, what the customer wants, interviewing customers, creating products, doing the MVPs, you know, interviewing them again, making changes. So I think that creating the best in class is what succeeds and in order to do that you really just got to put in the work so it's you know in regards to even the hot and cold therapy like you know what we originally thought we were going to build when i first started doing the research is actually completely different than what we ended up building and you only get to that by putting something out there testing talking to your customers making their changes taking their recommendations and kind of just keep being the best and you know solving these needs like i know there's a lot of free apps and free options out there, but is that what people are looking for? Or do they want specific quality? Is there an entrepreneur that you know, doesn't want it to be free? He just wants a really high quality option uh, that's tailored to exactly his, his issues and his needs. So that's something we're going to discover. We don't know that yet, but that's something we're looking at. And it just in regards to any business, it's just you know putting out a product and then really diving in, getting to know who your customers are and what it is they want, and then tailoring that product to them.
0: I totally agree with you. Now, considering that you've had a lot of experience in all kinds of businesses, are there any businesses that you've tried and they completely didn't work out? And if you could share those stories, that would be cool.
1: I haven't shut any companies. I mean, when I was younger, with more investment. I've invested in companies that have failed, that were startups. And I didn't directly run, but I was like, your advisor or helping with. Why did those here. companies
0: fail? Like, is there a, a pattern that you found, things that they don't work or something along um, those
1: I think it was just more tech investments and just super high-risk uh, stuff around tech that just wasn't successful. They vary, but it's, it was different from crypto to uh, mobile apps and stuff like that.
0: Makes sense. Now, if you could go back into your 20s, is there something that you would uh, give yourself as an advice or is there something you would change if you could?
1: It's a great question. Looking back, the regrets are an interesting thing. You know, maybe for me it would be to try to live in another country. I feel like I've been here in Canada and in specifically Toronto for the majority of my life, and you know, I would definitely love to like try my hand in a different country or a different industry, whatever it is. But You know, you can't really think like that. I think it's more like you made the decision at the time with the information you had and you kind of can't really change the past. So I don't really think about that too much.
0: I love it. So now you can potentially become a digital nomad once you guys create a bunch of apps you can work from anywhere. Exactly. What would be your favorite country to visit and stay in?
1: I think uh, I've always been gravitated to like Southeast Asia or Europe. Uh, Those are the kind of countries I've traveled to a lot as I was was growing up in my 20s and had really good times there. Again, I don't know about work there, but I think if I had a, a business where I can completely work remotely, that's probably a place I would love to spend my time.
0: I know that you've traveled a lot over the past years and had different cool experiences. Do you find that that helped you? And I guess, how did it help you to develop your ideas, your businesses, your personality?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think traveling is in itself a form of education, you know. Especially doing it young, Uh, you you've got to be on a budget. You're meeting people. It's like about socializing and kind of dealing with challenging situations. Like backpacking through Asia sometimes isn't always as great as it seems. You know, you're dealing with a lot of unexpected (laughs) issues, and uh, you know, and you got to kind of deal with it. So it teaches you that, and also like you meet a lot of people, and especially in this world. It's interesting. Like, I, you know, I met your friend Pablo on the beaches of Thailand and now she lives in Toronto. And there's a bunch of people I know and I've met throughout my life that have, have been through traveling. And it's, it's really interesting because you get to know these people very well when you travel. And, you know, these friendships can sometimes last for a long time.
0: It's crazy. I, I totally agree with you on that. And you realize how small the world actually can be and how easy it is to connect with people in a sense what would be your recommendation on connecting with others considering now it's all virtual? I mean, this is the closest I got to see you for the past ever. Are there any tips or tricks that you're using? I'm sure you've had your uh, share of zoom and virtual calls.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because even if you go out right now to a restaurant, you're really not supposed to be approaching other tables. So you're kind of going out with the people you know, you know, Right now, it's challenging. It's trying to connect with people on community calls, trying to do social events that are maybe outside. That was these outdoor yoga events. Those seem pretty interesting. It's challenging, right? Like I just find that people really want to connect and they really want to meet new people. But it's kind of like we're being told we can't do any of that. And you know, you're doing that for the sake of your family and your health. So I really don't know the answer to that right now. I think that's a problem we're kind of all trying to solve. And as much as Zoom is an awesome tool and video chats, it's not the same as like you're being you know, face-to-face with somebody.
0: I totally agree. Do you think it's going to completely change the dating culture? Because it used to be that you know every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night in Toronto, everybody would be out meeting each other. Do you think that's going to change?
1: Uh, I think it would just push people more towards the apps and i know a lot of my friends are going on walking dates where they would like walk with these women six feet apart so i don't know how effective that was but yeah i think it's just gonna again back to creativity is how long will this be and if this is the new norm foreseeable future which at this point that's all people can really tell you is you have to figure it out and come creative ways
0: now jumping back and shifting into the people, advisors, whose content you consume and focus on, who would that be if there is someone? I feel like there would be someone.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I thought about this. So content I consume, uh, there's a podcast called Starting Greatness by Mike Maples. He's a venture capitalist from Floodgate. Um, I find that really interesting. Uh, Somebody, just in regards to success stories before and after and hearing them and, and listening to these entrepreneurs and what they actually go through. Because you hear about like a success story and you don't really understand how hard it was or what this certain challenges were, and then challenges are so different with each of them, so I find that a really interesting in regards to like motivation, uh, I actually listen to Gary Vee a lot, and I love just his attitude towards <laughs> things. You know it's not about his story personally, or his businesses, it's just more his attitude of you know taking these long approaches. To things and, and really just stopping the noise around you. It's, it's like stop caring what people think about you in regards to what your moves are and just focusing on what's important to you. So that's something that always resonates with me. And the story I would say that I like the best, and it's kind of related to the business that I'm focusing on right now, is the Soul Cycle uh, story with Julie Rice and Elizabeth uh, Cutler. And they did a podcast where they kind of walked through their entire story. And it's just absolutely incredible. It's incredible how they took something that's been around for a long time cycling and just created this cult and created this amazing programming around it. And, you know, it's essentially what we're trying to do with this hot and cold therapies, this banya, is these traditional social experiences that are mainly Russian, mainly into these certain cultures. And how do we create this, not mainstream version, but this new version of it that's, Introducing it to a lot of people that would never otherwise go. And so that's what they did with Soul Cycle. And it's just an incredible story. I love listening to it and it really resonated with me.
0: I need to listen to that one. And uh, I can totally see how that's what you guys are doing with Aimword, But I feel like you also do that with all of your restaurants because they all have their own brand, their own vibe. And it is very impressive considering that you have four of them that are thriving because the stats show that a lot of restaurants don't survive their you know first six months. So what do you think is the secret for either a restaurant or a business to survive, pass, and thrive?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when we opened San Francisco, the flagship, Borrow, we really focused on company culture and it was really putting the, you know, the employees first, their happiness. And, and we created advisory boards. We brought benefits in the restaurants who really focused a lot on that. And we knew that if we created a great culture, we could hire the best. If you hire the best, customers are going to be satisfied. and If your customers satisfied, your bottom lines will be taken care of. So I think that approach was fundamental on how we kind of do that. And then another interesting approach is if you look at the concepts that we have, uh, borrow and dash, they're kind of layered approaches. So it's, it's not just a restaurant, it's a restaurant. There's a, you know, a basically a cocktail lounge, a nightclub, an event space, and then a rooftop restaurant. So when you come there, you actually don't ever have to leave. So you come in, you have your, your drinks, and your dinner, and then you can go up to the nightclub if that's what you want to do, or you can go have a drink on the rooftop to look at Dasha, the karaoke bar, and then a private nightclub in the back. So it can come there with your group. You have dinner. What do you want to do after there's options in the building layers to it? So I think that's what really makes it really interesting is kind of creating these concepts that not only capture different times of the day, but different segments and the drive and they kind of feed off each other. I think that was another key to our success. Whereas, you just have a hiring restaurant, you know, you, you better be amazing, have amazing food or amazing service or, you know, a combination of those and how you achieve that is hiring the best. So you have to figure out how to do that. So when
0: you hire the best, what does that mean? Like, what's your process when you interview the person? What are you looking for to make sure that they are the best?
1: So I think in regards to when you hire someone, skills, certain skills, especially serving stuff like that... It, these are teachable. You know, you have to understand what your core values are for each brand. Right. And that's what makes it challenging is when you study these brands, like what, what is your mission? What are your core values? And then you have to have people that are super aligned. Uh, so for example, integrity is one of our core values, isn't that's essentially how you act when nobody's looking like if I threw $20 on the floor and you're walking down the street and you saw a drop out of my pocket, would you pick that up or would you not? Right. And if you didn't do the money, would you pick that up and would you not? You know, and there's just there's techniques and stuff like that in regards to how you interview people and question them. But again, it's you gotta find out what your core fundamental core values are and then ask questions around that. And for each of the brands it's a little bit different. So it's challenging to say least. I think that's one of the most hardest things, especially in this industry where a lot of the employees are recycled I and mean, not recycled, but they jump around restaurant the restaurant is is you really gotta find the ones that wanna be there. And you always have that core group of people that will kind of stick with you. And then there's kind of the people that are either part-time or just using this as like supplementary income and depending on what that is uh, in their life.
0: I totally agree with you. And I mean, as you said, right, the turnover is high. That's why I think that question is so interesting because I used to bartend and serve uh, a long time ago. And, you know, when I showed up, I did my job well, but it was never a place where I was planning to stay forever. I knew it was just, you know, The part of my journey. And Mm -hmm. I was always fascinated with how founders or uh, restaurant owners would hire managers and making sure that the staff is all aligned. And even though we're all there for a journey, we're still doing the job well and making sure that the restaurant thrives and prospers. So I thought that was very interesting. Now, Mm -hmm. going forward, would you open more restaurants or no? You would just stop... With that, and focus on more e-commerce, virtual apps, and products.
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, like I made a decision a few years ago when I was partnered with my brother and Maddie Samaras. At the time, they were starting uh, what is now Honeycomb Hospitality. Uh, there was an option for me to start that with them, and I felt that uh, I wanted to go in a different direction. So, would I start more a restaurant group or push more restaurants? No, I don't think so. For me. I think where my future lies is I want to be in the wellness business. I want to have these physical spaces. I want to build inward into a big recognizable brand across the country, maybe North America. And then I actually want to see where that brings me in regards to other aspects of wellness. You know, I'm interested in psychedelics. I'm interested in health and wellness. I'm interested in these online platforms. And I want to see how these things can kind of like comment each other and kind of use the, use what I've learned in hospitality, in, uh, hospitality and not hospitality in restaurants and these franchises and create something new in the wellness space. Cause I think especially now the future of mental fitness, you know, mental health, all these things are going to be super important for people. I feel that people are generally getting more and more unhappy in regards to how much they're addicted to their phones, how much they're depressed in regards to comparing themselves to other people and other situations. And kind of breaking them out of that mold is super important. I think it's super powerful. And if you can create ways to do that, also socialize and do that in a healthy manner, I think that's a winning formula right there. So I think for me personally, I'm probably kind of done with restaurants and um, whatever I have now, it's, it's obviously great, but uh, the future is definitely in health and wellness.
0: Wow, that is so exciting. I mean, I personally know, I have no doubt that you're going to do great. Now, the inward are you working there with your family? And I guess the reason I'm asking this question is, obviously working with your family members is awesome and great, and you always have that safety net, but I'm sure it's all also challenging. So in your experience, what are the challenges, and how do you get through them?
1: Yeah, so for inward, is, it's not my brother and I. It's actually the partners are Robert Bent, who is the guy that actually I called from San Francisco he exited the company at the time and he started doing research with me on this concept. I convinced him to move back from San Francisco to start this larger concept with me. And it was funny because during our research together, when it was just him and I, we were introduced to a couple, uh, Harry and Amanda. And someone said, Hey guys, like this concept seems very similar to something this couple that I know is doing. we, at first, we're like a little, okay, we have a competitor. Like, should we meet them? Should we not meet them? We actually kind of left the email for like three or four weeks before anyone responded on both sides. And then we finally met them. It was crazy because the partnership, it was like a perfect fit. So these, they were actually researching this space as well. Similar concept. They went to Europe and actually were trained to, to be sauna masters. Trained in off-goose. They trained on the heat and cold. And so we had all that experience and we had kind of all this hospitality business experience and build out and obviously rob with this tech uh experience and like it was just really a great fit so the partnership with inward is actually completely different than any partnership i'm in on the other side of things my brother uh brandon and maddie samaras are the ones that are leading the honeycomb hospitality and they're actually opening more venues and pushing that direction that way so it's been a natural split, my brother and I.
0: I love the story and I love how you know you thought that you were competitors but ended up starting a big, great company together. I think it's very inspiring. Jagmai usually encourages everyone to not pay attention to the competition and welcome it because obviously if the competition is there, the concept works and your idea is great. So just just have to focus on your own stuff and keep going. So I think you guys are going to do really great stuff. Which brings me to, I guess, a final round. I know you have a lot of things to get to. So every guest on the show, we are asking the following. A millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. A millennial is. So I put uh, the future. So I feel that the age group of millennials is like rambling this most influential part our lives in regards to how much we can have an influence on the world on business our family our kids you know what we can teach them how do we mold the future so as generations come into essentially power they come into their 30s and 40s they are in these positions where they're running the world we're entering that phase now i think uh really starting to and i just think that when we think about what a millennial is there's a future and and what how, how do we think about that and how do we make those changes and you know, there's a lot of challenges like taking business simply out of this environmental challenges social challenges there's a lot of things that are backwards and we need to really start thinking about things and what we did in the past isn't going to work in the future so we've got to create a world that's sustainable and that we can all live in
0: i love that answer definitely haven't had that before a millennial should
1: be so i put willing to be uncomfortable and. I found that in my experience, to really push yourself, you've got to go and do super uncomfortable things. And the more you live in this little uncomfortable bubble, the faster you get comfortable doing that. And then the faster you can go again and push yourself further and further. And That's how you really grow. And I think that this generation really needs to learn how to do that. And I think it's challenging because everything's on social media and everything is you know videotaped and documented and you always have to look your best. So I think really pushing yourself to live in an uncomfortable state and being comfortable being there.
0: I love this. And then a millennial is not.
1: It kind of led in the last one is is not perfect. We're going to have to go through challenges in life. You're going to fail and you're going to try things and they're not going to work and you're not going to look good. And I think that there's a lot of people that I know too that are they're not scared, but I think they're just scared to fail and they're scared to put themselves in situations where they don't look good. And again, it goes back to being in this world where everything is supposed to be this you know—a standard trajectory to success with not only personally, with your family and stuff like that. So it's just about just being... This is why I really like Gary V. It's just about stop listening to the noise around you and just do what you really want to do. Uh, because at the end of the day, like you got to live with yourself, not what people think. So, I think it's important to really have that as a fundamental thought in your mind.
0: I totally agree with you. And I mean, for all accounts, I think you've been perfect on this podcast. So, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Where thank do all you. listeners find you? Where do they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, I think the easiest way for personally, just go to LinkedIn, uh, just Miles Farmer. You can send me a message there. If you guys want to follow, our journey uh, inward. It's uh, Instagram is go underscore inward. We also do the breath work off that platform as well. So, uh, in regards to wellness stuff there. And then, obviously, if you're, you're out on the town, you know, Bar Dasha, Betty Cash, those are some, um, you know, happening spots. And I, we just found out today that we're opening stage three. So, I think we're going to be opening this week.
0: I'd say everybody should check them out because those are very beautiful restaurants, and they have amazing food and amazing vibes. So definitely check them out. Great. Thank you, Miles.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Maria. We had a good time.